want to talk, I'm titling this talk, Mission or Comfort. Mission or Comfort. This is our 14th study in the book of Acts so far. Believe it or not, we started this at the beginning of summer, and we're just ran, running right through it. Here's one thing that we need to think about. You say, why do we study this this morning? Here's the important principle that we can all walk away with, and if you don't hear anything else this morning, hear this from your pastor this morning, and that is this, that God is more interested in our character than he is our comfort. More interested in our character than our comfort. Some of you shared stories this morning that are real trials of things that you are going through. You know what? God is building your character. There are times when we pray for comfort, and that's okay. God loves to hear your prayers, and he wants you to be honest about what you want to pray about. But sometimes he allows us to go through difficult experiences so that we can build up the, the character that God has for us. He's much more interested in that. Many people, especially in North America, in the United States, today, when they think of Christianity, they think of a way to have God be their genie and help them answer their health prayers or to help them answer their wealth prayers. Some people identify with Christianity as if, well, this is just who I am. This is how I was raised. I am Christian. It's kind of a self-identity Kind of like we might say, well, I'm a Republican or I'm a Democrat. It's what we identify with. But I think that God has something a whole lot more in mind with his children than just something to identify with. Let's throw up the first slide that we've got some uh, Bible verses on. Uh, there we go. So three verses that kind of gets us going here today. First of all, in Acts chapter 5, verse 20, we have the angel. This is what we looked at last week. The angel let the men out of prison who had, been, who had been jailed because they were preaching God's word. And when they were out, the angel gave them a mission, gave them instructions. What did the angel say in verse 20? Go stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. Right? That's their mission. They knew exactly what they were to do. Just like Amy knew when she was driving that she knew she had to turn around and go back. That was her mission at that moment. When we hear God speak to us, sometimes it's what God gives to us in his word. Sometimes it's when we have prayer time. Sometimes it's when we're out driving. We need to be tuned into God all the time and hear what he has to say to us. And then we need to be obedient to us. They also knew where their primary loyalty lay. We look at verse 29. This is Peter in responding. What does he say? We must obey God rather than human beings. See, there were men and women, there were religious leaders who were saying, you can't do this. And they say, wait a minute, this is what God told us to do. And if God told us to do it, this is what we're going to do. Who do we obey first? God, Right? And then we get to the end of the story, and we heard our children read it this morning. Here is the end of the story. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they, what's the word, never, never stopped, never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So we know how it ends up. 
But in between the time that the angel gave that instruction, in between the time that the angel gave that instruction, and we get to this end that they never stopped, a whole lot happened. And that's what we want to look at today, those in-between details where we focus on some, frankly, some hard truths that are difficult for us to hear. But because we're working our way through the Scripture, we're not going to skip things. We're going to say, God, we want the whole truth. We want nothing but the truth. We want all of your word in our life, right? So let's take a look. Three things, not, not too much to fill in this morning, just three blanks. The first one is that fulfilling God's mission will result in negative consequences sometimes. Not everything that we do that we, when we obey God has good results in the short term for us. There are consequences. When we do the things that God asks us to do, we may also suppose that everything is just going to be peachy because we were obedient. But you know what? It's just the opposite sometimes. Here in verse 33, when the Sanhedrin heard this, what did they hear? They heard that the disciples were still preaching, even though they had been told the day before to stop it, to cut it out. When the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. We need to remind ourselves, and I think when you come here to Church Requel on Sunday morning, what you hear from me often is this place that we are at now is not heaven. Heaven is where God's will is done all the time and done perfectly, and that's not here. This place is called earth, and there is opposition when we are obedient to God. One of the books that we haven't studied much yet, but that I hope to get to before God calls me home is Ephesians. And in Ephesians, we read that we are to put on the full armor of God. Well, why in the world would we need to put on the full armor of God? Because we are in this place here on earth where God's will is not always done. In fact, the writer in Ephesians says that we struggle against this dark world. We are in a dark place. And when we are obedient to the light that God brings to our lives, the darkness doesn't always like it. I'm just telling you the straight facts. In fact, this isn't just what I say to you. I'm not just bringing bad news to you this morning. This is what Jesus told his very disciples before he was crucified. We studied this a couple of years ago when we were looking at Luke. Luke chapter 14, what did Jesus tell them? Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Now, what does it mean to carry my cross? It means that there are consequences to what I do when I am obedient to God. It means that there is a downside to it. There are some today who preach the way of Jesus, but they never preach the cross of Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that you cannot preach one thing without preaching the other, because they There are two sides of the same coin. We must not tell or even think in terms of only half the story. The whole truth is that following Jesus is very rewarding, and I'm going to tell you some of those rewards in a moment, okay? It's not all downside. But in addition to it being very rewarding, at the moment, sometimes it costs us. What is the cost? What did Jesus say? You know, we talked a few weeks ago about the tithe, the 10%. But Jesus, he had kind of a higher expectation. What did he say? Give up everything. If you don't give up everything, 
You cannot be my disciples. That's, that's the standard that he set. Nothing can come above his lordship. I, I love that our sister talked about being a shopaholic for a period of time. That became more important to her at some point than Jesus' lordship. And she had to give that up in order to say, Lord, I kneel at your feet and you have priority in my life, right? Anything, anything can come between us and God if we allow it. So we can't have that. You can't have that if you want to be a Christ follower. To follow these examples of these apostles in Acts 5, just ask ourselves, what was the cost to them? As far as they knew, at that moment, the cost was their very life. What was the, <laughs> the last time that somebody in their group was imprisoned for preaching about Jesus? What happened to him? Well, the last time was Jesus. <laughs> and the next morning, they crucified him. So why would these disciples think that anything else was going to happen? They knew they could be killed right then and there. Because those who had the authority in their life at that moment could order it if they wanted to. And we know they wanted to. What did we see in verse 33? Do you remember? It says that these religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, what does it say? They wanted to put them to death. Wanted to put them to death. I'm sorry that Chris isn't here this morning because he always likes the Greek. The rest of you will just have to enjoy it on his behalf and tell him that he really missed it this morning. But there's one Greek word I'm going to tell you about here, and it's only used two times in Scripture. One is here, and one is two chapters from now in Acts chapter 7. When you see this, wanted to put them to death, I'm going to describe the actual word in Greek. It's diaprio, diaprio. I'm sure my brother somewhere is laughing at my pronunciation. But this word in Greek literally means to be sawn in half. So what what these religious leaders are saying, not that they just want to quiet them, not that they just want to kill them, but that they want to torture them and cause their death. Do you see what I'm saying? That's how... That's the reaction, the response that they have. And, of course, we see it in one other place. That's in two chapters, giving you a forecast of where we're going in Acts chapter 7. That's the story of Stephen, who is the very first Christian martyr. All right. Even at the end of this story, there were costs involved, right? What does it say in verse 40? They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Do you see that? They ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. Flogging was no little thing. It literally means to be whipped. These men were stripped, left stripped, and bloodied. The rule was no more than 39 lashes. Can you imagine? It was a horrible form of persecution. It wasn't right. It wasn't just. And this was in direct consequence to what? Obedience. Wow. Doesn't, I don't know about you, but when I read this, they say, Mark, do you know what you're doing this morning? Because that doesn't sound to me like something I want to be obedient about, if that's what the result is. And what I'm saying to you this morning is anybody who preaches the authentic word of God has got to teach this part too, because it all is, is all part of it. It all goes together. 
The second thing that we see here this morning is that God sometimes, by the way, we lighten the, we, we lighten the message up a little bit from here on out, so you can relax. The second thing we see this morning is that God uses the foolish wisdom of man to accomplish his purposes. I love this part. When we are obedient to follow the mission that God gives us, he matches our obedience with his power not to get us out of the trouble, okay? But he matches his power to our obedience to accomplish his purpose. Very important to understand that. So we come to this story of Gamaliel. Gamaliel, in verse 38 and 39, says this, Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Sometimes, the way that God works, his power is unexpected, and some might think even illogical. I don't know how you read this, because we've read it so often, and we see this Gamaliel as somebody who's kind of wise. Um, today, to just kind of put it into perspective, we have uh, in Congress, we have the majority party and we have the minority party, right? Does that make sense? And sometimes it's the Republicans, sometimes it's the Democrats. Well, at this point in the Sanhedrin, their Congress at the time, there were Sadducees who were the majority party, and there were Pharisees who were the minority party. And this Gamaliel, he's part of the minority party. He would be today what we would call in our Congress, he would be the minority whip. He would be kind of the wise old man of the party that's in the minority. Does that make sense to you? So these people don't have power, but they have, they have respect. They have, they're, they're wise. People listen to what they have to say. And so this Gamaliel, he stands up, and I want you just for a moment to consider his argument because if you really think this, if you really give this an honest reading, I think you'll come away laughing a little bit. So here's the argument. In verse 36, he says, now this guy Thutis, he rallied 400 people in a revolt. And he was killed, and his followers dispersed. And then he says, verse 37, there was another guy called Judas, the Galilean. He led a band in revolt, and he too was killed, and his followers dispersed. Therefore, take a look at this, this verse in verse 38. You see the therefore? Now, if you didn't have the rest of that verse... And you only knew what was happening in verse 36 and 37. What would the therefore be there for? The first guy led a revolt. He got killed. Everything went away. Second guy got killed. Everybody went away. Kill the guy. Everything goes away. Therefore, therefore we should let them go. That's what he says. I mean, this is... What should follow here is kill the apostles and nothing will come of this. But he says just the opposite, and then everybody agrees. All right, I, some of you aren't getting this, so I got I to gotta put it in Star Wars 
moment so you get it, okay? This is the Obi-Wan Kenobi move. You will let these men go. We will let them go. That's what's happening here. And it's not that Gamaliel is such a good guy. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit who is saying, I'm not done with them yet. Do you understand that? The foolish plan of God, 1 Corinthians 1.25, the foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans, and God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Do you count on that? When you're going through difficult times, do you count on God being wiser and more powerful? The next time that you think you have your own situation all figured out and how bad it's going to be because of the logic of what should happen, remember this story. Remember that God's not done with you yet, and you don't know how God's going to resolve it, and it may not be logical, okay? And when it's happening to you, you need to remember and bring it here as a God story. All right, one last thing, and then we're going to wrap it up. Finally, we do have to tell the rest of the story because it's not all bad. Choosing to follow God's mission, this is number three this morning, choosing to follow God's mission for my life is, in fact, rewarding. I can't tell you one part without telling you the other part because it is rewarding, isn't it, brother? Right? Here's what we read in verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, and what's the word here? They were rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And who is the name? It's Jesus. The apostles didn't quit. In fact, just the opposite. They rejoiced. And how could that be possible? Because they had withstood the test. Can you be in their shoes for just a moment and remember that when it came to the cross, they all scattered, they all ran away, they were all ashamed of their performance, and here they stood the test, and they counted it as rejoicing. They stood their ground. They expected death, but they were given life. And you need to know that there are rewards for obeying Jesus. And this goes all the way back to the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 5.33. I'm just going to give you three verses that you can star and hold on to as promises of reward for when you're obedient to God. Back in Deuteronomy 5.33, it says, walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land you will possess. This was the original instruction given to God's people 1,400 years earlier, 3,400 years earlier than now, 1,400 years earlier than when these disciples were being discussed in Acts chapter 5. Walk in obedience, and the result, prosper, prolong your days, possess the land. God sometimes does give us hard things to do because he has a mission for his church, a mission for the world, and he uses us for it. But he never wants to harm us, just the opposite. But he will use us to accomplish his purpose. And when he does, no matter what happens, you need to know we are rewarded for it. There are rewards. Um, we read from Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. I press on. This is Paul talking. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. No apostle was tortured or hurt, harmed more than Paul. And yet he writes, hey, I press forward. Why? For the goal to win the prize. Some people think somehow that it's wrong to talk about the prize that God has for us, but not Paul. In fact, he says this is the whole reason that God is calling him and us heavenward. 
So here's what you have to ask yourself when you're in the middle of all whatever it is that's going on in your life. Am I on the heavenward trajectory? Because heaven is where God's will is always done perfectly and where there is a prize. And you need to count on it. Are you obedient now, facing consequences now for the eternal reward that God promises? And then we come to the very last verse that I want to share with you this morning from James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Notice there's no waffling here. Those who persevere under trial will receive the crown of life. The Lord promises, and his promises never fail. So ask yourself, do you love him today? Are you obedient to him today? Tomorrow is coming, and with it, the prize that God has for you. You need to press on.